The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. How can you thrive in a time of crisis? Hey listeners, welcome to In the Arena. I'm Jackie Goldberg. And I'm Leah Smart. And today we are joining you from our living rooms. So um, yes, as many of all of us know, we are currently in, you know, the middle of a pandemic. And, you know, Jackie and I wanted to continue this podcast, continue this recording and, and really believing that we actually need this more than ever right now. So, you know, I hope that first of all, all of you are safe sound and, you know, with family or connecting with family as much as you can. You know, what we're going to talk about today is really what has our journey been like through this process? Talking about some of the hardships, of course, that are happening. Uh, We, you know, when we were talking earlier, it was kind of like, how do we create gratitude with massive perspective of the fact that everyone's going through something so different right now, but really wanted to share our perspectives and hopefully shine some light into some of the dark corners of of what is going on today, and then leave you hopefully with some practices around how you can thrive during this time. And this is, again, so our perspective and, and again, wanting to have incredible gratitude for, you know, this time and also the perspective of what's going on for everyone else in the world too. Yeah. And this is, I mean, they keep using the word Leah unprecedented and it really does feel that way. You know, we've never had an episode where we spoke about something going on right now in the world um, and how it was affecting us. And to your point before around finding the light in the dark times, I mean, this is a really difficult time for for everyone in so many ways. And we all have our unique stories and our own challenges and way that we're dealing with things. And yet whenever there is darkness, we know that we can always find some sort of light and silver lining and even maybe come out of this a little bit better. I love that you you said we, we need to talk about this because we do. It is so important to share your feelings and your emotions and how you're going through this time with your loved ones. And um, we're excited to really be here with our listeners today and share you know, as much as we can on, on, on what's going on in the world. Before we get started, though, you know, Leah, I think it's, you know, you and I just, you mentioned gratitude. We just want to put out there in the world how much gratitude we have for all of the essential workers on the front lines in the fire right now, the healthcare workers, our government, people who are really making this, this country, but really the world um, running and keeping it running uh, while a lot of us are working from home or out of a job, unfortunately, and just so much gratitude. So so big thank you to everyone who's listening to this and who knows someone who is on the front lines, because we really do appreciate all the work that you're doing. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So what has this process been like for you, Leah? I mean, um, and I just want to give context. Today is March 25th, 2020. You know, the coronavirus started in November, December in Wuhan in China, and every day it seems like something is changing and the effect that it's having on the world all the way into our own living rooms and into us as individuals is changing almost hour by hour, right? So you and I actually were talking about the other day how there are a lot of podcasts right now talking about COVID-19, and when you listen to them a week later, they almost seem out of date, right? So 
hopefully what we talk about today will withstand time because we're talking about crises in general and, and using the, the current situation to, to inform that. But what, is it, what has it been like for you over the past several weeks as it's hit um, the U.S. and then specifically New York, where we both are and right now is the epicenter? Um, we have the most cases at this current point in time in the United States. So, I mean, it's, it's funny, Jackie, you said a few days ago that it was just two weeks ago when we were in San Francisco together, getting ready to go to an event that was a, a really awesome event we were excited about called Wisdom 2.0. And we had been gearing up for that for quite a while. And then all of a sudden it happened and it, it hit the U.S. and people started really taking it seriously, including LinkedIn, which was really valuable. Uh, and then from there, I, we read this quote and I shared it with you, but the quote was, what a year this week has been. Mm-hmm. Because the week, feel it feels like years ago that that happened and that was just the beginning of the month. Coming back to New York for me was, it felt like the right thing. You know, really, I've, I've sort of stepped into this feeling of doing my part and making sure that I'm social distancing and those types of things. And those feelings hit me really when I was back in San Francisco around close friends and recognizing the vulnerability of the immune systems of their parents. That was a really big shift for me. It was like, wow, I actually play a part. I matter. I'm part of this equation. Mm -hmm. And how can I do that? Uh, How can I play that part? And so that was like the the first personal kind of feeling around it. And then, and I'm sure you felt the same. I mean, there's, our impact is so, is so huge in this and and every single person does matter. But then, you know, went through the, the kind of different stages of feeling like, you know, I'm, I was excited actually and energetic to have time to myself personally, really just getting to think more and recalibrate on what I wanted to do with myself, with my life and, you know, go deep. But then also had this feeling of, gosh, am I thinking about this the right way? Should I be going home? I mean, you've, you've been in New York too. There was a a period of about a week where grocery stores were empty, you know, serious supplies were missing and it was pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the point you make around impact is such a a big one because I think what I you know, have really realized just how interconnected we all are and how each person has can have such an impact on the way that this virus is spreading or or not spreading. And so, you know, we got an email from uh, LinkedIn, our head of HR, when we were in San Francisco. And really, it was the first email that really showed this is, a, we're making some changes in terms of how we operate at the company with people working from home and office shutdowns and so forth. And I just remember laying in my hotel room and reading that email and crying. And and really it was because I, I felt like this is so much bigger than me. And I know a lot of people have felt during this time, a lack of a sense of control. And we know it is almost our human nature to want to know, but everything is so uncertain in general, right? But right now specifically. And so recognizing that we don't have control over a lot, but we do have control on how we respond and how we handle it. And that moment, I felt a really big sense of compassion. Like my heart was almost coming out of me, like being like, this is bigger than myself. But it wasn't until I got back to New York, you know, a few days later and really felt it individually. Uh, You know, I live in a small apartment in Manhattan by myself with my dog. Right. And so working from home uh, was really challenging that first week. It gives me so much energy to be in an office with a lot of people every day to feel that human connection. I thrive off that. And so it was such a 
shift for me. And I felt like it could really go either way. I could get into like a full out depression, being by myself and isolated and, and not having that connection, or I can you know, really make the most of this time. And, and thankfully, I've have, you know, the awareness to make the most of this time. And so after that first week of recognizing what it was doing to me, I used my own sense of control and how I can handle the situation to get out of it. And that's what I, we really want to focus on today is how can you really thrive in a time that is so different, our whole lives are reoriented right now. And we're, where it's not the normal, quote unquote, that we're used to. And so how yeah. do we live? this new normal. And I will say I'm in a much better place now accepting. There's a lot of acceptance there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked a little bit about like the stages of grief. And in some ways, it does feel like that, right? And you can see it played out in others too. And where they are, whether it's denial and wanting to continue their lives as usual. And gosh, has it been hard for me not to judge people who don't seem to be playing their part, right? And that's just, it's just part of life. We're all going to be in different stages. And so I'm, I'm really working to have, you know, reverence, maybe I don't respect what they're doing, but at least to have honor for the fact that we're all in different stages. But, you know, I, you called out a really important turning point for you. And I, um, I think I went into it with a lot of energy and like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. And then had a real big moment of, oh my God, this is a serious problem. And then last Friday, I noticed that I was feeling resentment and anger, and I'm not typically an angry person. And so I was like, you know, something's going on here. And what I recognized is that I hadn't yet just allowed myself to mourn the experience of what was going on. Mm. For me, March and April were going to be really big months personally, professionally. And all of those things were basically pulled out of me or pulled away from me in, in just a few moments. So I allowed myself over the weekend just to mourn the hat, mourn the loss. And that's what's allowed me to come back to this energy I started with, with a very different sense of grounding is really just the process of processing what's going on naming that this is hard and then allowing myself to reframe and decide, all right, what now? I love it. I mean, I think that is so key, right? You said, you know, something is going on here. You are aware enough to see that something was off and that, and, and you looked into it. And I think that's the opportunity that we all have here is that in this new normal, we are staying put a lot more, right? So things are, are slowing down. And and think about how many times we, we say, especially as New Yorkers, we just want things to slow down. So now things are slowing down, but what happens is that things come up for us. And if you're not aware and then addressing them as you did in terms of your mourning, what was going on in terms of the loss with a lot of the things you had planned over the next month or so, you won't get through it, right? You'll end up just pushing it down. And and then a lot of those emotions come out like anger and resentment and they stick. And then <laughs> if you're living with other people, that can really come out to those as well. And so I think it's, it's so, so important, right? Something is going on here. What is it? And let me use this time of slowing down and just being and being still and, and really, in isolation for the most part, right? So shelter in place to look within and to do this inner work. And when we talk about healing as individuals, but healing with the world or the world healing because of this, it starts with us, but that is really a, a first step. Things are coming yeah. up for us every day, right? While, while we're in this new state of the way things are. Yeah. And we, whatever is coming up, we have to be with our shadows now. We don't have as many distractions as we used to have or as many things we can go do, particularly in, in larger cities where this is, you know, experience, where we're experiencing the biggest impact, right? 
And one thing that you said is like, you know, doing this deep work and really spending time, um, you know, Jackie, you and I are both fortunate enough to to live alone in New York with our dogs and to have the space to be able to do this work. And so, you know, we recognize not everyone has that, but encourage you to find some space. And mm-hmm. the reason is, you know, we were, I was recently reading a Harvard Business Review article about grief. And they were talking about the fact that what you're feeling right now, that discomfort could easily be grief. And it actually solidified what my weekend was, which was grieving and mourning. But the beautiful thing was, if you're familiar with the five stages of grief, they've actually added a sixth stage of grief, which is called meaning. And I was so struck by this after reading this because generally the last stage of grief is acceptance, right? So, you know, you go through this process and you finally just accept, all right, I'm here and this is me, right? And that felt so, when I read read meaning and, and really understood it, it felt so complacent to stop at acceptance, right? Because acceptance is just saying, all right, this is it. But meaning is, wow, how do I go deeper and find what I can do now and why this is happening and really create this, you know, this more optimistic approach, not pretend Pollyanna approach, but optimistic approach to what's going on. Oh my goodness. That is, that is amazing. And it's funny because I used the word acceptance before, not realizing that I was stopping there. Right. And I love that meaning. And I, and I want to get back to that, but I do want to go back to one thing you said is around how you and I are, are, you know, live alone and we're fortunate to have, I guess, the space or the silence really to do this inner work and this time. But I also want to say that, you know, everyone has their own story. And so some people may look at us and say, oh my God, I feel terrible. They, they live alone. Like how, you're, you don't, they don't have, even my mom said it to me yesterday, you know, we don't have the, the family and the kids and the husbands and, and extended family in our apartments or our homes to make things lively and energetic, right? We, we have to kind of create that for ourselves through things like FaceTiming with friends and and connecting with others. But I, I say this because two reasons. One, we all have our own situations that we're dealt with and, and where we are in life at, at this stage. And that will certainly impact how we can do some of this work or how, how we will, will be during this time. But I also want to say that you don't have to be alone in order to to make some space for this. And I'll give an example. Um, a colleague of mine, you know, something she said, two things was, one, like her and her husband always, you know, say all we want to do is for things to slow down and to have more time with our kids. They have three kids. And now they do, right? Things are slowing down. They have more times with their with their kids. And this weekend she was she shared that on Sunday they were in the backyard and just stayed all day at the house. Usually they'd be going out and about and doing errands and and trying to find activities for the kids. And she said, you know, because it's shelter in place, we just stayed in the house um, and we just stayed outdoors, really connected with nature. She did a yoga class, um, an at-home yoga class in her backyard. And she laid on the ground and she closed her eyes. And this was in California. And she had the sun shining on her face and she can hear her kids running around and her husband. And she was at peace. And she was like, wow, this feels good, right? So regardless of who you're surrounded with and how many people there are, there are those little moments that you could take advantage of to slow down, to be in nature, to really fill yourself up with the calmness of being and not doing. Cause we always talk about, right. That difference between doing, 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 or just being and being who you are and being still and, and taking in the joys, those small joys of life. Oh, that's such a good story. I mean, it's, you've talked a lot about slowing down in this whole process and, and being, and how do we just, allow, right? We spend so much time not just being, we spend so much time figuring out what's next on our to-do list 
and it's sort of how we end up in places we don't mean to end up, right? Like I, I was thinking about this earlier this week or last weekend was, you know, how many times have I written a to-do list and not actually checked it over to see if this is how I intend to live my life or how I mm-hmm. intend to spend my time. And so how cool that your friend was able to just be with her family and just, I mean, I was, I was totally envisioning hanging out in a backyard and going, oh, that would be so nice just mm-hmm. to be and not have all these activities and things lined up because that's what we, that's what we equate to a successful life or a yeah. good life, right? It's, it's how so, do you run from place to place? It's what we're used to, right? It's what yeah. we do. It's what we used to. It's what it's. And so now our, our lives have shifted. And so we need to shift with that. And yet there's so much beauty that comes with it. Right. And you're talking about meaning and it's like, well, what, what meaning can be found in slowing down and just being, I mean, what, what comes up for me is just this stronger connection to nature, right? Like I truly believe that this coronavirus is a way for people to get in touch with nature a little bit because you can go outside as long as you're practicing social distancing, but nature is balance and connecting us to something outside. So when we're in isolation, we do need to get that fresh air, that, that sunlight and so the meaning of nature, I think family, right? And the, the level of connection that has increased over the past, I mean, again, we're living it for the past few weeks or so, so I'll talk about our experience. But I mean, you see, you're now texting and FaceTiming and talking to people that you may not have spoken to in a while, but you're, you're thinking about all these people now because you have the space and energy to do that and you care. And, and these people can come back into your life that you hadn't spoken to in a while, but um, it just shows the value of connection and, and the meaning that this can, can bring to that. I'm yeah. curious, you know, you're, you're thinking of in terms of the meaning that this is bringing to us all. So yeah, I I look at, uh, I mentioned the to-do list earlier. I, I think there's probably five things that you and I have spoken about, um, but that have been really, really alive for me. And you've mentioned a few. So, you know, connection is one. How do we connect with people in a world where we can't spend a lot of time with them physically? And, you know, things like doing, I did a virtual dinner last week with two friends. We were meant to have a real dinner and decided let's do virtual and play our part. And I was really proud of us for doing that. And, you know, I FaceTime, I'm not a FaceTimer typically. Um, I'll do it sometimes, but it's just not my go-to. I FaceTimed so many people in the last two weeks. So building that connection and then even, you know, the connection with, with strangers or with people that you're not as close to that are in maybe your periphery, you know, your circle of friends they are on the outside of it. I've, I, you know, if I think of someone, I do my best to just text them right now, text them right now and just say, Hey, thinking of you, you don't have to say anything more or being on the street now and looking across the street and smiling at someone, as you know, Jackie, people do not smile at each other in New York city. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone not smiles often. at you, you think they're creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it's changed, right? Like I, I see people and I'm very purposeful about smiling, but I think the, the big things for me have really been thinking about, um, a, my impact on the world, small or large is really like, how do I, how do I create impact? And I said this at the beginning, but I really want to reiterate each and every one of us in this world is in a community and every single person is part of the equation. We all matter. And we all make a difference with our actions every day. I had a, it's an embarrassing story, but I walk my dog in this area near my, my apartment, very close, uh, just about a block away. And she always pees in this planter. 
and the planter sits outside of a school. It always looks really crappy. And, and, you know, I let her pee there because she takes a million years to go to the bathroom. That's a different story. But one evening last week, I was walking with her and I was about to let her go to the bathroom. And this couple walks by and I'm on the phone with my headphones in, just like ready to have her go so we can go to bed. And they walk by and they're like, please, please don't let her pee in there. We just spent a lot of time and money actually getting someone to come and put in tulips. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And it is such a small thing, but it makes such a huge difference. And I walked away and I will never let her do that again, first of all. But second, I realized like, oh my God, these are my neighbors. These people live near me and they're right around the corner and they care about the neighborhood and so do I. And I was also so struck at their kindness because some people would yell at you and be like, get that dog out of my planter. And instead they just said, please don't do that. And I was like, oh, I just have so much respect. And again, like this feeling of reverence and and honoring that we're all here in this community together. Mm -hmm. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were FinTech developers. We'd been a FinTech developer. uh, We'd been trying to build a FinTech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Yeah, it's really yeah. that feeling of solidarity. And that is something that has really struck me. I mean, we talk a lot about compassion on this on this podcast. And even, you know, something that I find meaning in right now is just taking care of, of, our, of our bodies, right? And I'll, I'll get that to that in a moment. But... I'm on an email distribution for a lot of different fitness centers and, and group fitness classes um, around New York City. And it is just amazing to see what people are doing in terms of solidarity. So closing down shop before it was even mandatory to really show that they want to help contain the spread of this virus and then paying their employees, their studio managers, their instructors, and, and really taking out money from the corporate and, and not you know, and foregoing salary to pay the people who typically will would be working during this time. I mean, it is so beautiful, really, to see the humanity come out in a time of this. And when I look at this terrible virus, there's a lot of darkness. And when we talk about the lightness, I just see such, such a sense of unity. This yeah. is one thing that we have in common with the entire world right now. And world, planet Earth, right? Because you and I 
you know, we could, we could go in a different direction here with the world, but <laughs> on planet earth, this is the one thing we all have in common. And, and when was that the case, right? Like we, I mean, we cannot go into politics right now, but there's probably a lot that we could say and the differences that um, people have in terms of countries and so forth and, and um, opinions, but this is unity and, and yeah. to see humanity show up for one another in such a compassionate way is just, it, it really fills my heart. Yeah, and I want to go back to two things, Jackie, because this is that was such a beautifully put statement that this this is one of the first times we all see our commonality, right? Because it's all we've always had it. We just didn't want to see it. And now we're all experiencing it. Like that's such a beautiful thing to think about that every single one of us probably feels a sense of of a little bit of fear, right? Or maybe a lack of safety. Every single one of us wants hope right now. Every single one of us wants to be joyful. Every single one of us wakes up and doesn't really know how they're going to feel today. And, you know, we all actually all have the option to choose more joy too. So there's, there's like that beautiful way of bringing all of us together. And something else you shared about the studios goes in with, with what I've, I've heard a lot of people say and I've done myself, but, you know, for those of us who are still fortunate enough to have a job, to be on a salary, to know that no matter what, we're probably going to keep our roles and get paid every two weeks, just to consider who relies on your money, who relies on the downstream effect of your money. And so one of the things you mentioned is paying, paying the people who are still not necessarily working in the studio, but they work for the studio. For me, that contribution has been paying my dog walker. I don't need to have him come, but I'm going to pay him because I recognize he's running a business on his own that relies on my money, right? And so this economy only works if we all look at it in a united way. It's so true. And you talked about, you may have mentioned this before about contribution and oh you did because you said like contributing in, in in the way that you can or or small ways or large ways whatever you can do and if you are getting paid on a bi-weekly basis and you know your job is intact how can you give back right in, in a monetary way to people that need it and then of course in non-monetary ways as well I know you mentioned as a life coach you're, you're offering some pro bono work which is amazing and and I couldn't agree more I mean there are people who really do depend on um services. It's like the service industry and how can we help them in, in times like these? I think that's wonderful. In terms of um, the taking care of our body, I, I do want to just, just point on this. So to our listeners who um, have been up to date with um, some of the things that we've talked about here, I've talked about my uh, desire to cook more and how I uh, have in the past tried to cook more and it hasn't lasted. I will say that coronavirus has made me a cook and which has really helped in terms of the food intake for my body and my health in terms of portion control. And I'm really deciding um, what to make, how to make it, what ingredients I'm putting in, how often I'm eating. It's, it's of course, I can do the, all these things outside of the house, but I just feel way more on top of it and in control while I'm, while I'm in my house. And then exercising as well. You know, I've never really done at-home workouts, but recognizing the need to get up and stretch throughout the day. The other day, in the middle of the day, I just had this urge to dance. So I put on like a 15-minute dance workout and just was dancing around my apartment. And it was so fun. And it gave me a lot of energy, that burst that I really needed to, to get me through the remainder of the day working from home. And <laughs> so that. really like when we're, we're finding this stillness in being at home, how can you find movement and, and really take care of that, that physical body in addition to your mind and your spirit in terms of the inner work that we were talking about before? 
Yeah, I love the I love the dancing, Jackie. I also I turned on some happy jazz on Spotify. If anyone's heard the happy jazz playlist, it's amazing. And just danced around. I was like, this is this is actually what needed to happen anyway. I should have always been doing this. Yeah. And I love that uh, we've talked about cooking and how you know you wanted to become a cook, and now it's sort of like, well, here you are. This is it. How cool is that? And now you you don't ever have to go back, right? You can always say like, I started cooking during COVID, and I'm going to keep this up beyond this point. And I think for me, one of the really important routines that I've I've relied on and something I recognize that I think for all of our listeners is valuable. We're in, like Jackie said earlier, how many times has anyone said, we are in unprecedented times. And because we're in crisis, one of the most important things you can do is create a sense of normalcy for yourself. And normalcy comes with routine. As you're thinking about how you spend your time, think about how you might Take your routine and continue it and get even stronger in the routine that you want to maintain. The reason is, you know, that allows you to maintain this kind of steady stream of life is still the same. Yes, there's a lot going on around me, but I can still maintain. So for me, that's my mornings where I wake up in the morning and every morning I have my, you know, my coffee, I meditate. Do meditate first, coffee second, because that would be a scary sight to try to meditate after caffeine. But meditate, coffee, you know, walking my dog, running, writing, reading, and then getting into to work in life. And so however you frame your routine is great, but maintain that as best as you can because that will bring you back to, you know, the normal life that you are craving. I love that. And and hopefully after all this is o- over, that normalcy will become the norm, right? When things right. start to pick up in terms of speed. And I want to kind of pull this out like bird's eye view a little bit because we've been talking a lot about the individual and how staying put can allow you to be and make the most of this time and do things that really nourish and fulfill you as, as a human being. And yet when we do this as individuals, we actually see a huge impact in the world, in the planet. So for example, there have been articles that have shown the air pollution in China has significantly decreased over the past few months due to coronavirus. Or in Venice, right, the canals are way clearer to the point where you can actually see fish in the canals. And typically you cannot even see, you know, a few inches down within those canals. So there's actually this really meta way of looking how every single person, if you stay put and and really go back to basics, what that will do for the collective planet. Again, that that almost like that common humanity unity type of focus and the effects that we're actually seeing in in the physical world. Yeah. And it's happening everywhere. Anywhere that there's a, a shutdown or a slowdown. So you can see it in Seoul, South Korea. You can see it in Italy. You can see it in the US. The pollution levels have massively dropped. It's sort of like, I look at it as like the universe is telling us stop. And now we can never go back to pretending that climate change isn't real or that we have an impact on this world, right? We can never go back because once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. And so I'd encourage anybody listening to, you know, you're looking for light. That is amazing light. You know, we are, we have been polluting this planet for a long time. And to see that in a matter of months, we can shift that, like, what could we do in a few years? Yeah. And you touched on something, how, what did you say? The universe is maybe telling us something, right? So much of this, like, like, does our world need this right now? I know it's so awful and there's, it's devastating what's going on with our economy and the small businesses, people's 401ks. And I mean, everything that we've created as human beings in this, in this world. And yet 
is this a sign of some sort? Is there some deeper meaning that the universe is trying to tell us? Because when we do take a step back and sit and pause, look at some of the goodness that is coming out of it. And the nature piece is, I mean, nature is what creates balance in this entire universe. So like that is a, the, because the physicality of that is so strong right now in terms of the changes we're seeing, like that is cl- clear. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so then it's like, okay, you know, what, what do we need to learn? Right. Like what can we learn from this experience and what can we do and how can we be to make the most of it? And then the next part is really how do, how do we stay with that? Right. After all of this is over, um, hopefully it won't go on for too long and we take the right steps and precautions to, you know, minimize this spread, but what do we do to kind of make the stick? Yeah. And there's, um, you, you've been talking, we've talking a lot about slowing down and how to be, and you're bringing up for me, the question of each individual asking themselves what matters most. And then as a collective, all of us asking ourselves what matters most, mm-hmm. right? And what we're seeing as a collective is what matters most is how we treat this planet, right? That's one of the most important things. And then as individuals, you know, one of the ways that that I like to think about this is something that James Clear talks about in his book called Atomic Habits, which we've talked about a few times on this podcast. It's an incredibly powerful book. And one of the things that James talks about is when we have a goal, oftentimes we want something, right? So we want to lose 10 pounds. And we say, okay, great, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. And then we go about doing all of it and we wake up next month and we haven't done anything different or we break our quote unquote diet or exercise routine within a few days. And one of the challenges that he talks about is the fact that we may want something, but first we have to change our identity. And so when you think about changing your identity, it's about becoming the kind of person who does X, who cooks, right? Jackie, who runs every day, who does yoga, who you know, is working on their weight control, who is saving money, whatever that is. The reason we've gotten to where we are is because we don't believe we're the kind of person who does cook or who does save money or who does run every day or whatever your goal is. And so we've got to first change our identity. And the way that we do that is in slow steps. So in this way of talking about slowing down, it's saying, all right, if I wanted to, I'll stick with the weight loss example. If I wanted to lose weight, what would someone who wanted to lose weight do? How do I slowly and surely become that kind of person over a long period of time? So I'd actually also say, along with slowing down, this period is teaching patience, right? We want so much to have things happen quickly for us. Mm -hmm. And right now it's not, right? We're just sitting ducks waiting to figure out when we're going to be free and the world's going to be healthy again. But we've got to learn the patience and the drawing out. And oftentimes when you have patience and you draw things out over time, it means you actually cement real habits when it comes to building habits instead of just doing something like a crash diet. That's why most mm-hmm. people's diets don't work. So just thinking about right now for you listeners, you know, what is something that's incredibly important to you that you could take during this time? Who do you believe you are today? And who would you need to believe you were? And what tiny little step can you take to start becoming more of the person you want to be? So, you know, I used this example before, but still love it. A guy who said he wanted to lose 100 pounds instead of just going out and literally only buying vegetables, getting a gym membership and going to the gym every single day and wearing himself down by the second week. He said, I'm just going to put on my shoes, my gym shoes. I'm going to drive to the gym. I'm going to stay for five minutes. That's all I'm going to do for the first few weeks. And that's it. And then I'm going to up it and stay for 10 and then for 20. And I become the kind of person. So give yourself that space because we've got it mm-hmm. and the patience. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the kind of attachment to your identity because it is, 
it's us, right? And it's who we are, not just mm-hmm. the things that we are doing. That's a, right. that's a really, really good practice. And um, that, that that's a great book. Yeah. And it's who we believe ourselves to be, right? Yeah. And that's, that's the thing about identity is it's not actually true. And the reality is we can change our identities. It's just that we have to change something very deep in our ingraining and in who we believe ourselves to be. So Jackie and I found a really amazing quote that we wanted to share with our listeners. And you may have heard this, seen this, it's been all over social media, but it's really beautiful. And we wanted to share it with you. So, so we can hopefully again, give you some hope as you go through this time period, just know we are wishing the absolute best for you. So the quote is by Kitty O'Mara and it goes like this. And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and were still and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows and the people began to think differently. And the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. Oh, so beautiful. And and to our listeners, I really believe, we believe that that quote sums up what we all hope for you during this time, that you can take this time to really thrive and ask yourself, how will you thrive in this time of crisis? Thank you so much for joining us on the journey. We are going to be back every two weeks. We're still recording. We're still going. So keep joining us. We're here with you. We're here for you and you know, wishing you all the best. If you want some more in the arena during this time, encourage you to check us out on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play under In the Arena LinkedIn. And thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you back here soon. Amen. 